Morning bakers up there in the balcony. So good to see you guys. Love you. All right. Well, to everybody here, let me add my welcome to the one you just received. Good morning. It's good to be here. It's good to be worshiping together. If you're new this morning, uh, my name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. And I hope at some point to get to know you. Uh, perhaps uh, grab a coffee together and hear your story. Uh, but for now, let's turn our attention to, to God's word. And I'm just going to give us a moment uh, of quiet to kind of gather our scattered senses, uh, bring some focus. Maybe you say a little prayer for yourself. Maybe in that space you say a little prayer for me. <laughs> and then I'll pray for us. Let's take a moment. Gracious Heavenly Father, it's good to be in your presence. We need your spirit, as always, to give us ears to hear. And so would you open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, to be able to hear what you have for us this morning. We give you praise and thanks. In Christ's name, amen. All right. Find ourselves in the book of Proverbs today, continuing a series in biblical wisdom. I'll be reading two passages, both short. Proverbs 1, 22 through 23, then we'll move over to Proverbs 12, 15. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 22 through 23. This is the voice of wisdom speaking. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will the scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. In chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what we've been saying is that part of becoming wise is learning how to recognize and spot foolishness. And the most important place to recognize foolishness is when it exists in you. And part of why Proverbs was written was to help us to identify just that, the foolishness that exists in all of our hearts. And one of the ways, the fun ways that it does that is it gives different kinds of foolishness a name. And we read about those in our first passage. We hear about these characters, the simple, the fool, the scoffer, the sluggard. These characters make their appearances on almost every page of the Proverbs. And as you read about them and learn about them and interact with them, a kind of profile begins to emerge for each one that allows us to put our lives up and compare it with theirs. Do we sound foolish? Are we acting like the sluggard? 
In what ways are we simple? Do we have a scoffing heart? And so we recognize their voice sometime in us, and that allows us to make room for wisdom. Last week, we looked at the simple heart. Today, we look at the foolish heart. The first thing I want us to notice about foolishness is how common it is. The simple are mentioned 14 times in the book of Proverbs. The scoffer is mentioned 14 times in the book of Proverbs. Unless I miscounted, the sluggard is mentioned 14 times in the book of Proverbs. The foolish or stubborn is mentioned 68 times in the book of Proverbs. Whatever we're going to learn about foolishness, I think the author of Proverbs wants us to know that it's common. It's abundant. So common you need to be on your guard. The author of Proverbs just off the bat is saying, hey, it's all over the place. So we should have an increased vigilance um, against that instinct that says foolishness is out there, but not in here. Better not laugh this one off. It might come to bite you. And if that was true when, in, in the time when the scriptures were, were, were written, I would argue it's much more abundant now. Foolishness is the air we breathe. Foolishness is not just present in our culture, it's esteemed. The fool is often respected. If you want to find the fool, often look to the places of power. Foolishness is what's causing so much damage in our life and in our world. And so what is it? The word for fool in Hebrew is a harsh word, meaning obstinate or insolent. I'm going to use the English word stubborn. One, because it begins with an S, and that allows me to put it along the scoffer and the simple and the sluggard, and I'm a pastor, so it needs to start with S. But I also think it's the best English word that we have to describe the heart of the fool. It is stubborn. Proverbs 1, 32 says this helpfully. The simple are killed by their turning away. We read that last week. The complacency of fools destroys them. And so this is helpfully contrasting the, the dangerous heart of the simple with the danger of the fool. The problem with the simple, if you remember, is that they don't commit to anything. The fool is far too committed to their way of doing things. They are complacent when it comes to the way things should be done. The way the house or the business should be run. 
when it comes to the, the way the nation should be run. The stubborn is dug in, complacent. If the stubborn had a life motto, it would be, I am right, you are wrong. In biblical language, they are wise in their own eyes. Proverbs twelve fifteen: The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So if the simple heart is too open to the influence of others, believing everything, the fool is too closed. They don't listen to the advice and perspective of the others. They're closed to others, closed off to help, advice, perspectives. As a result, they keep the help they need at arm's length. The hard thing about this for the fool is that you need other people's perspective and advice to be wise. Just as wisdom sometimes requires taking a stand and closing certain doors, wisdom also requires an openness to others, to their perspective. A sense that you don't know everything about every issue An openness to outside help. An openness especially to the help of God. How do you identify a fool? The answer of the Proverbs is, you listen to them. By what they sound like. This is an interesting Bible nerd fact. So much of the the proverbs surrounding the fool have to do with the misuse of speech. Interestingly, the simple never speak in the book of Proverbs. They're never pictured as speaking because they don't have an opinion. The fool is always talking. (laughs) They love to get their opinion out there. Always talking Never listening. Proverbs 18.2. The fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing their opinion. The wise are slow to speak, quick to listen. The fool gets it reversed. The stubborn doesn't listen. They take no pleasure in understanding. After all, what is there to understand? I already understand. There's nothing to learn. We've all had the conversations where you're talking to someone. And you're explaining your heart or your position And very early on, you recognize that they are no longer listening to you. Whatever you said has triggered either a story or a comment, and they are now waiting for you to stop speaking so that they can speak themselves. I have never done this myself. (laughs) 
I've only seen it on TV. But their response when it comes really has nothing to do with what you just said. It isn't in response to it. They're saying the thing that they think will be so helpful to you that happened in their life. They weren't listening to understand. They were listening to reply. And in that moment, you are experiencing someone or your own foolishness. In the end, the fool takes no pleasure in understanding. And that expresses itself really in two ways. Understanding means entering the complexity or the nuance of an issue. Understanding means entering the complexity of a hot button issue. But for the fool, it's not really that complex. Why talk about this other issue? It's pretty cut and dry, isn't it? It's fairly black and white, isn't it? It's really hard to work out things like racial disharmony or foreign policy with a fool. It's just cut and dry. It's simple to them. Understanding means entering into complexity. It also means entering into the story, the heart, the perspective of another person. An openness To the person in front of you. Desire not only to know what they believe and to categorize them so that you can reply to them, but to understand why they believe what they believe. It's the the parent whose kids vote differently from them. And you're so frustrated at it. And every time that politics is brought up, it just devolves. But have you ever asked the question, why? Why do you think about this thing differently than I do? If you want to know if you are a fool in a conversation, or if you're playing the fool, simply ask this question. Have I asked any questions? Questions are the bridesmaids of understanding. If you want to know, if you're a fool, just stop and ask, have I asked any questions? When you ask questions, what you're doing is you're seeking common ground. You're showing interest in another person's heart or experience. In, in more fully understanding them, you're honoring them. You may not agree with them at the end, but in seeking understanding, you might find something to cherish. Instead of seeking the pleasure of understanding, the fool is often seeking the pleasure of winning. Just to be heard. Second point. And even when there is understanding in the fool speaks true knowledge, even when what they say is true, it doesn't feel good. Even the truth hurts in the mouth of a fool. 
Proverbs 26, 9. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. I love the Proverbs because it says stuff like that. Well, what does that mean? Well, you got to imagine it in your, your head. A drunk guy or gal stumbles through a field one night, falls down, and a thorn goes into their hand. What does that accomplish? Nothing. They don't learn anything. They're too drunk to really feel the pain at the time. So they wake up the next morning. There's a, there's a hangover, and their hand hurts, but they don't know why. They don't even remember the night before. So what's the effect of such a story? Nothing. It just hurts. There's no lesson. There's no learning. Only pain. That's truth in the mouth of a fool. What does it do? Nothing. What does it accomplish? Only pain. Have you had that happen to you? Someone said something that needed to be said or even used scripture in a way. The words were true, but it was said in a way that didn't accomplish what God intended. It only hurt. Does the truth hurt sometimes? Class? Yes. Should we shy away from saying hard things to people we love? No. But that's not the stubborn's problem. The stubborn's problem is they're not open to another person. They never ask, is this the right time to say this? They never ask, have I earned the relational capital to say this? They've never asked, am I the right person? to say this, because obviously they're the right person to say this. They're the wisest person they know. Proverbs 25.11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. That doesn't mean much to us. And so I like the message here. It says, the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. The fool gives no thought to what they say. They say it, whether it's fit or not. What's clear from the Proverbs is that they don't listen. And when the truth is in their mouth, it does no good. What else do you hear when you're around a fool? You hear a lot of arguing. Proverbs 20 verse 3 says this. It is an honor for a man or woman to keep aloof from strife. But every fool will be quarreling. The fool loves fighting. Fighting follows fools. The simple avoid conflict, even conflict that's needed. 
the fool stirs it up and doesn't back down. Unless you agree with the fool, it turns into an argument. The discussion gets heated. If you're in a conversation with a fool, you leave that conversation saying, why can't we have a conversation? Why does it always get so adversarial? And it's not just the conflict, because conflict is unavoidable in relationship. It's that just the foolish heart isn't equipped to do conflict well. To do conflict well, you need to be able to listen. You need to be open to another person. You need to have pleasure in understanding. You need to be able to cultivate quiet moments of reflection in one's heart, the kind of quiet moments that lead to that kind of fruit. In a fool's life, there is no such quiet. There is only rage and laughter. Proverbs 29.9. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs. There is no quiet. The quietness of understanding and wisdom is replaced with laughter and rage. Let's think about those two words. First, Laughter. Now, I don't think Proverbs is talking about the belly laugh of joy, of like sharing a good joke together. This is the laugh of dismissal. The laugh that is determined to make the other side look foolish. It's the laughter of setting up a straw man to knock it down, to make a punchline out of someone else's perspective. Laughter and then rage. We might say outrage. Just another way to dismiss an opponent's point of view. Rather than to simply be content to disagree, instead there is a moral indignation. I can't believe And so you hyperbolize, characterize, and eventually punish, cancel, outrage, laughter. How much of our online discourse does this describe? How much of the news content that you seek and listen to does this describe? How much of the culture of our own thought life and conversations does this describe? The stubborn rages because underneath the hard exterior is this frustration brewing underneath the surface of the life that makes a fool unstable and reactive, deeply sensitive to any offense or difference. And so Proverbs twelve sixteen, the vexation of a fool is known at once 
But the prudent ignores an insult. The vexation of a fool is known at once. The minute you get home, no one needs to ask you how the day went. They know it at once. Your coworkers don't need to know that you felt disrespected by that email. You wrote back and told them at once. The kid spilt the milk. They don't need to think about how you feel about that because your vexation was felt at once. The vexation of a fool is known at once. And they can't ignore an insult. The smallest thing must be addressed. The smallest slight, it must be atoned for. It can't be overlooked, absorbed, or ignored. All of this vexation and underlying frustration, and it is expressed with no sense of proportionality. Proverbs 29.11 says a fool gives full vent to their spirit, but a wise man or woman quietly holds it back. The wise feel vexation. It's hard not to in this world. You feel frustration, anger. But the wise know how to quietly hold it back. They've learned some tools. You take a walk. You go to the gym. You throw up the arrow prayer to the Lord. Lord, give me patience. You've just learned along the way that life is sad, heavy, and dreary when you're offended all the time. And so you've made room in your own heart and life for grace. And so you found ways to let the pressure of life out slowly, almost imperceptively, redemptively. On a pressure cooker like an Instapot, there are two ways to release the pressure that build up. There's the slow release and the quick release. The slow release is imperceptible. You can't really see the steam rising. You just wait and you look over and with joy you're like, oh, it's done. I didn't notice that the pressure was all released. But then there are some recipes that call for the quick release of pressure, which you kind of tiptoe over to the machine because to do the thing, it's like the jack in the box. It doesn't matter how much you prepare yourself for it. It's shocking to see all of the steam arise. The fool is always on the quick release recipe. They give full vent to their spirit. They open up their door to to whatever they're feeling and thinking, and they let it out. Ah! Spilt milk? Ah! Kids not getting playing time at the YMCA? Ah! Driver in the lane over there? Ah! 
Lack of intimacy in marriage. You can't put together the thing from Ikea. But it's all the same. There's no measure. There's no proportionality. Just unstable, reactive heart with a whole bunch of unaddressed pressure and pain underneath the surface of a life and a closed heart that won't let help or advice in. Ah! It's hard when that happens to a, to a stranger. Grown men and women yelling at a 15-year-old ref who's getting paid like $2 an hour to ref that six-year-old girl's basketball team. It's, it's crazy. It's much more difficult when it's happening at home. It's hard to be married to a stubborn person, to be the child of the stubborn, to be the parent of the stubborn. When your day, your moment, your week depends on their day, their moment, their week, and you don't really know what's going to set it off, it could be anything. Anything could be interpreted as an offense. And so when you live with a fool, you feel like you're walking on eggshells or just carrying a heavy burden. Proverbs 27.3 says, A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. And maybe you've experienced this in your life, in your marriage, living in a home of volatility, constant blame, hearing all the time, if, if you would have done better, I would be happy. It's foolishness. It's the evidence of sin. It's heavy. And in its most extreme, it's wicked. And if you need help with that, we'd love to hear about that. We could enter into that with you. The last thing, and I know it's heavy, but so is foolishness, is a fool's resistance to change. The Proverbs say that a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. A hundred blows. Think about that. That's a lot of blows. We're talking boo, boo, ra, ja, ja, jab, uppercut, uppercut, <laughs> haruken, uppercut, or whatever. And the fool is just blocking, blocking. One, ten, ninety, ninety-nine, one hundred times. It doesn't do any good. Next proverb. Crush a fool in a mortar with a pestle, along with crushed grain, yet his folly will not depart from him. It's just clear that the 
There, there's hope for the fool in the Proverbs, but, it, but the Proverbs is also honest about how stubborn the human heart can be. So what do you do with a foolish person? And that brings us to the two most famous Proverbs in all of Proverbs. So let's put them up there. They're right next to each other. The first one is, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Next proverb, please. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So the first proverb was, don't answer a fool. The second proverb is, answer a fool. (laughs) Ta-da! What's it saying? It's saying it depends on the situation. Sometimes it's a fool's errand to change the heart of a fool. There are just moments when that argument has just got to the point where it is no longer about logic. It's no longer about clarity. You could spend 10 more hours trying to write that email. You could use all of the right emojis. It ain't going to matter. You send something back to that fool in that moment, and it's just going to be fire. It doesn't matter. The only thing that's going to change them is to to take away the fuel, which is usually you. (laughs) So the answer sometimes is to pull away from a fool. Proverbs 26, 20 and 21 says, this is from the message, when you run out of wood, the fire goes out. When the gossip ends, the the quarrel dies down. And then it says this, a quarrelsome person in a dispute is like kerosene thrown on a fire. The more, if you give fuel, that thing's going to go up. It doesn't matter what it is. And so it's saying remove the wood from the fire so the fire dies down. It's setting up a boundary. It's getting out of that conversation. It's an indictment against how hard a fool's heart can be. But there is hope. Because the very next proverb says, Answer a fool according to their folly, or they will be wise in their own eyes. So here we're called not to pull away, but to enter in. That if you perceive a door in their heart, their closed heart is cracked open. If there is a glimmer of humility, if you perceive any sense of softness in that old stubborn heart, any glimmer of openness to change, take it, risk, enter in, answer in hope that they will finally hear and perhaps throw open the door of their heart to finally receive the grace and the love and the advice and the help that they need. That's what I think the Lord is doing with us this morning. He is answering us according to our folly. 
because he doesn't want us to be wise in our own eyes. I don't think those last two verses we looked at were written for people living with fools. They were written for fools like me. They were given to us by God as a, a diagnostic device. Which fool am I going to be? The one that gets harder and harder, ever more dug in? Or am I going to soften and listen and throw open the doors of my heart and my ears and my inner life so that this inner frustration and pain can finally be dealt with, met, tended to, confronted. A couple of words of application. What should we do if you, like me, are thinking, I'm a fool. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm a fool. The first thing that a fool should do, I think, is be quiet. I think for us in the modern world, that means two things. One, it means turn off foolish voices in your life. If all you do is go down the YouTube rabbit hole of political discourse and all you see are people laughing and raging at the other side. You can't, you can't have that foolishness be the wallpaper of your life and not believe that it's affecting you in some way, shape, or form. So maybe it's to quiet those voices for a time or at least call them foolish. When you quiet your own voice and these other foolish voices, you may make room to open your heart to other voices. Maybe it's the voice of a spouse who's been saying, man, our marriage is really hurting. Can we go to counseling finally? And it's been no. It's been a hundred times no, like a hundred blows. No, no, I don't need counseling. No, no, I don't want to talk about my feelings. Maybe it's opening up your heart to that. Maybe it's opening up your mind to ask some questions of the person you've been so frustrated with because you just don't understand where they're coming from. Take pleasure in understanding. Have a conversation with your parent or your kid and just ask questions. Man, I see this frustrates you. Help me understand that. Oh, yeah, let me ask a follow-up question. Maybe with never needing at that time to say what you think. The word that we need to open up to most is the word of God. If our words reveal our heart, God's word reveals his. And what is God's word to our foolish hearts? Jesus. Talk about seeking understanding. He took on our situation, our flesh, our sorrows, our cares. Talk about absorbing offense. (laughs) On the cross, strewn out, 
scoffing, mocking fools representing us all around him, bearing the heavy weight of our foolishness and saying all the while, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Jesus died for every time you were in a conversation and you didn't ask a question. He died for your reactivity and your anger. He died for every time that you had to walk in like eggshells, you know. People have to walk in like eggshells around you. He wants to take your hardened heart and give you a heart of flesh, of openness. Are you open to his grace? Because I imagine that what we need more than anything is to plunge our hearts, our stories, our vexation again, just again into the love of God. If we do that, I think we'll open like a flower to wisdom. Let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Proverbs and for the wisdom we find here. We've all played the fool. And some of us carry the wounds of knowing foolishness. Each of us now is open to you. Would you help us? At least just name it in a moment, to recognize it when it's happening so we can more fully give our hearts and lives to you and seek wisdom. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not being a fool. Thank you for loving us with such a wise, generous, forgiving love. We give you praise and thanks in Christ's name. Amen.